Welcome in to the Fantasy Football Fathers Podcast. Only one of us is an actual father and none of us are priests. My name is James Drew. I'm joined here by Tyler Big Herbie Herbach. Hey, what's going on? Long time no see. Long, long time. And uh, the one father of the show had to abort the podcast mission this evening because of his badass kid. <laughs> <laughs> who won't go to bed so uh trey sneaking fingers jose is not with us whoa whoa <laughs> holy shit dude our first ever drop total success <laughs> total success on the show <laughs> fucking incredible timing there from uh from big herbs I'm still I'm just gonna time it up, but yeah, I hit it once and it just fucking went for it. A little rusty on the drops for sure. <laughs> actually, completely rookie. That was his first one ever. <laughs> um. Anyways, uh, yeah, Trey's not with us tonight. Uh, we're talking all the news that has happened as of late. We'll give kind of our insight on all the signings, DeAndre Hopkins, Saquon, and all that good stuff, and then. Uh, Given our final rookie rankings for tight ends, and that is it for this show. So it should be uh, should be rather quick and uh, but full of pertinent information. Absolutely, we are nearing that time. Training camp has started back up or has started. Um, so that means we're going to be getting a lot of some fluff news, some news that's not entirely accurate some things that are going to drive adps every single which way up until the start of the season so uh we'll be swifting our way through all of that and trying to decipher what's real and what's not exciting times uh it's that best time of year man it's, it's like that the energy starts building you're like football winner fuck yeah yeah, it almost makes you want to hit like a drop or something. Yeah, we don't have a good drop for that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're building the repertoire. Um, all right, so let's uh, – yeah, so I mean, as you can see, there's a lot of guys, if you play Fantasy on Sleeper or anything that gives news updates, you're going to get 5 million news updates of guys being added to P- PUP list, to the PUP list right now. It doesn't really matter. Um, at this point in time because it's still the off season they can be reinstated off the pup list before the season begins no big deal once the season starts if they get added to the pup list then that's when they miss time uh but so for right now it's just teams making moves to figure out their rosters so um, i would ignore all that we're not going to be covering every single guy that's been added to the pup list because that is redundant at this time yeah but big news uh, it's been a while since we've been on so obviously this is somewhat old news now but deandre hopkins did sign with the tennessee titans they gave him a big old contract um it'll be a two-year 26 million dollar deal worth up to 32 million in incentives and so curious on your opinion on a couple things um where do you see deandre hopkins 
where would you like to draft him if you do want to draft him at all? And then what about Traylon Burks and the impact on him? I mean, I can't imagine drafting Hopkins early in any round. I mean, I would say I, I don't even know where his ADP is right now. Uh, I'll tell you this. I've been doing a lot of best ball, and he's being basically drafted as a wide receiver two right now. So really, right in like the fourth round usually is where I'm seeing him go. See, that's fourth way too rich for my blood. Um, the Titans don't have a good passing offense. They haven't in years, and DeAndre has dealt with some injuries in previous. Uh, you know, he had the suspension and things like that too. Honestly, I think anything before the seventh round seems crazy to me. Yeah. Well, uh, Traylon Burks is going later. He's going with, you know, um, guys like uh, Jahan Dotson, Jordan Addison. He's slowly been falling um, since this news in ADP. I honestly think in terms of both real-life football and fantasy football, this is actually a good thing uh, for Traylon Burks. Um, I think, you know, where, where he's best at is maybe not being a dominant wide receiver one type, but more of a gadget, big playmaker type. And at least as of right now with how he's developed through his rookie year, you know, he was dealing with injuries, came into his rookie season, kind of out of shape and dealing with, uh, an, an injury that happened before, um, the season started. So. I like this for Traylon Burks. I think he was going too high for me in drafts prior to DeAndre Hopkins getting signed there. Now you get a discount on the ADP, and I don't mind drafting him as a you know a wide receiver three. No, I would completely agree. His ADP falling is great because it gives you more over boomer bust guy, which you're okay drafting later in the draft. I think as a guy you consider weekly in your flex position you know, and maybe to swap them out for depending on matchups. I think that's a, exactly where you want them to be in the second year. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, I'm worried about, you know, I, it is it is DeAndre Hopkins and he catches everything, doesn't necessarily need separation to, to you know, be effective. And uh, so hopefully Tannehill is willing to just throw, throw the ball up to him. Um but it's all about how accurate that throw is, though. Doesn't yeah, matter how much separation there is, if the ball's nowhere near him. Right. It's yet yet to be seen. So Tannehill, not the best year last year. Um, you know, hopefully he can he can support DeAndre Hopkins and and uh Traylon Burks, but I, I'm not entirely sold on that. There's also Chig Akonko, who is the tight end there, who people have really high hopes for. He's still going really late in drafts, but you know, an athletic tight end. We're hoping to emerge. Um, now there's just more mouths to feed. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins is going to get a lion's share of targets there. He's, you know, and that's, I think, that's why I think DeAndre Hopkins might be okay, even as a wide receiver too, um, just because I think the sheer volume that he's going to see. Whether that's good volume or bad volume, it's still volume. That's true. I mean, so right now his ADP is kind of right around the likes of Keen Allen, Calvin Ridley, and and Scary Terry. Who are you taking all those guys above D Hop, or how do you kind of rank yeah. those four? 
I would take all of those guys above D Hop. Yeah, I think I would. The only one that I might consider not is Scary Terry, but only because he's dealing with you know a second year quarterback who has only one star under his belt. Yeah. But funny enough, I kind of feel the same about Sam Howell that I do as Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Who knows what we're gonna get? Um, so Sam Howell, you know, could surprise and and be good. I've heard really good reports. Um, so and they're expecting him to be, you know, their guy. So I don't, you know. And I love Scary Terry. I think he's an incredible player, and you know, still. Can you imagine prime, if he's played with any competent you know, quarterback so far in his career, how good he would be? Oh my god. He'd be incredible. Let's hope. Let's just, uh, let's pray Sam Howell can <laughs> can be a guy. All right. Uh, what else we got? Um, you know, not really, not super fantasy significant, but I do think there is some fantasy um, impact with Naeem Hines uh, getting apparently hit by a jet ski uh, and suffering a significant knee injury. He's going to miss the entire 2023 season and, you know, sucks for him, man. That's, that's terrible. Um, Jet ski accidents seem to happen all the time. Uh, (laughs) The crappy thing is that he wasn't even moving on his jet ski. He was just floating. Yeah. That's shitty, man. Um, where this impacts fantasy though is Naeem Hines, I think was pretty, pretty almost locked in to get some of the passing work out of the backfield there for the Buffalo bills. Given that, you know, Damian Harris has never been a guy to do that. James cook was touted as a guy that could do that coming out of college, but wasn't super efficient at that last year. Didn't catch a whole lot of his passes. Um, so where I think this helps is, is James cook. You know, I think they're going to kind of be forced to continue passing him the ball and keeping him in on those passing downs versus, you know, throwing in Naeem Hines. So maybe a little bit of a bump there for, for James Cook. Yeah, I think you would have to. I mean, he's one of those guys people are kind of eyeing to, you know, make a name for himself fantasy this year. I I don't see it. I, I like that he's going to have a little bit on receiving-wise, but I think that Damian Harris is going to get the bulk of the carries for this team. Damian Harris, when, is, when he's healthy, is has proven that he's a very good running back. So I just see that continuing to happen. Uh, now, if Harris gets hurt too, then James Cook is the only option left on the roster, then that's going to change things completely. Yeah. Watch them sign uh, Zeke Elliott or something. I mean, Dalvin Cook. Yeah, even Cook has said multiple times about how cool it would be to kind of team back up with his brother. <laughs> That'd be insane. Um, all right, Javante Williams not starting training camp on the PUP. So that's um, that's good. That's good news for people that were buying into Javante Williams early, maybe in best ball drafts. Not so good news for people that were drafting Samaj P. Ryan. Uh, pretty high in drafts. He was his ADP was rising pretty significantly, um, just because P. Ryan was a guy that that you know um, Sean Payton and the new staff pr- chose to bring in um, with Javante Williams coming back off the knee injury. So interesting to see how this plays out through training camp. I still think there's going to be some sort of a split here between 
Williams and P Ryan, but Williams sounds like he is pretty much back and ready to go. Yeah. And I would expect that split to be very 50, 50, even lean a little bit towards P Ryan, probably in the first few weeks of the season, see how things come along. The thing that's slightly scary with Williams is that it's a very similar injury that JK Dobbins had a couple years ago. And that when he came back last year, like there's still something not quite right here. And then he, you know, went back underneath the knife, cleaned up the knee some more, and then he looked much better at the end of the season. So I worry if Williams isn't actually 100% ready to come back, even though he says he is. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see how that plays out with, you know, kind of similar situation with J.K. and a lot of these running backs. J.K., there's been some um, dusting, I guess you could say, of rumors that J.K. is not happy once a contract extension, even though there's another year left on his deal. I imagine J.K. seeing everything that's happening around him with all these other running backs that have done more than him in the league, and they aren't getting they aren't getting contracts. So maybe he's just starting the battle early, but um, he still hasn't reported. I know their coach today said, uh, I think it was Todd Munkin that said, you know, that's kind of a JK issue. It's up to him. (laughs) And so (laughs) we'll see how that plays out. But right now JK isn't at training camp. um, Isn't practicing. You know, it's, it's, obvious that he would be the number one guy there if you know he does play but um it's another running back that's just kind of up in the air right now yeah it's kind of crazy because he's only played eight games total in the last two seasons because of the injuries and he's only looked good in three of those games so i'm all about getting your money but bruh sit down it's not your time yeah yeah, and I think that's kind of why, you know, Munkin probably had that that type of attitude at the uh, at the press conference. Um, I get it. I'm all for everyone getting their money. Uh, I hope we all get rich, but you know, that's uh, at some point you do have to prove it before you <laughs> at least get the big running back contract, which is the hardest contract to get in the NFL right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Um, the average running back draft uh, salary is less than kickers. Yep, uh, and another guy that's not – I don't know if there's any late news or news that came out today, but on Josh Jacobs, he hopped on a plane, left Las Vegas, and said he didn't plan on returning anytime soon unless he got his contract. So that's a big one. I mean, Josh is going, you know, early second round in most drafts, um, at, definitely in the second round at least. And so – yeah, that could be uh that could be a big one if he decides to to hold out. I mean, I don't know. I get it. This whole running back situation sucks. Like I get it. I understand why teams, you know, are doing what they're doing. It's because there's so many damn running backs and they can get production out of guys that are undrafted or you know, they that they don't have to invest heavily into, but man, it sucks. You know, Josh has done everything that's been asked of him. He was playing in the fucking Hall of Fame game last year and then, <laughs> you know, got 400 touches and dominated all year and really carried that team. So it sucks, man. I, I see I see both sides of it. You know, I'm 
it's just a, it's a really tough situation. Yeah, and it sucks for fantasy owners too because he's been a top twelve back the last three seasons. I mean, that's huge production. Yeah. Even when we didn't, even though when he was like kind of frustrating for a couple of years there, when you look back at it, like he actually still had really good, really productive seasons, RB one type seasons. It wasn't until last year people were like, finally he broke out, and it's like, no, he's actually been playing really well for three years. Yeah, he's he's been a consistent RB one. Um, another running back, you know, Saquon Barkley will be playing with the Giants this year. Um, they gave him a, a one year deal for eleven million dollars. So we'll see what happens. Um, yeah, there's a couple million of incentives on top of it. Yeah, a couple million, a two million dollars signing bonus per per rap sheet. Okay. So that's good news. At least we'll have Saquon this year for sure. Um, but I, I'm sure he's not thrilled and, um, you know, definitely not happy. I mean, he's, I'm sure he wants to be there with his team and, and playing this year, but, you know, I don't know how motivated is, is Saquon to, to give everything he's got this year. I mean, I guess the one way you could think about it is that he's playing this year to get to get that long term contract next offseason. And it probably won't come from the Giants. It'll probably come from another team. The shitty thing when it comes to running backs is that teams that are in contention don't sign big running backs to big contracts. So he'll end up going to probably a mediocre or a shitty team uh, just to get his money. Yeah. As long as he still produces for fantasy, that's all we care about. <laughs> Facts. Um, Kadarius Tony underwent surgery, cleaning up cartilage in his knee. <laughs> so the the story has been written, I think, for old Tony. Um, At least it wasn't his hamstring this time. Yeah. Andy Reid said there's a chance he'll be ready for the season opener. A chance. It's fucking July. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, man. Oh, man. All right, so that means that Rasheed Rice's ADP is about to skyrocket even more. And speaking of Sky, Sky Moore as well. Yeah. Um, What else? Anything... You know, Justin Herbert signed his deal five years, $262.5 million. Jesus Christ. Um, so Justin Herbert's locked in for five years now with the Chargers. Yeah, that's just the way quarterback contracts go. He is beating Lamar Jackson's average annual salary by half a million dollars a year. And Joe Burrow's up next, and they expect him to sign his contract for the season starts, and it will beat Justin Herbert's. It's just kind of the merry-go-round of QB uh, contracts right now. Yep. Oh, man. Good good time for quarterbacks right now. Um, speaking of quarterbacks, Brock Purdy, who did undergo the off-season elbow surgery, he's been cleared without restriction, uh, and he is ready to go in training camp via Adam Schefter. The only reason I mentioned that is kind of for those folks doing best ball drafts right now. In my opinion, I think Brock Purdy is going to be the starter, going to be the guy um, for probably the entire year in San Francisco. 
And so I like him as a really late, you know, second or third quarterback draft pick in those best ball pick and those best ball leagues, just to give you some depth at the quarterback position. Yeah, honestly, I'm surprised by the diagnosis that he's ready to come up back already with no restrictions. Because when it initially happened, they were saying like he wasn't even able to start like ramping up into throwing until training camp started. So the fact that they're saying he's fully 100 percent ready to go is pretty shocking to me. All right, um, Chicago Bears tight end Cole commit four year deal, fifty million dollar extension. So obviously they believe in Cole Komet. Cole Komet's a guy I've been kind of climbing back onto. I know we were, I think we we're all pretty, we all liked him as a later round tight end last year. Obviously the really shitty start to the season, but in the back end of the season, I think it was the last 10 games, he scored seven touchdowns. And so there was definitely a change there in Chicago where they made it a point to get, Cole Komet more involved and he became a consistent red zone target. So I'm kind of leaning back in on the old Cole Komet, especially if you're playing in, you know, a tight end premium league, like a best ball tight end premium. He's not a bad tight end to, you know, target, I think, later in drafts. He's still pretty touchdown dependent, in my eyes. I mean, uh five of those touchdowns yeah. came in a three week stretch between weeks eight and ten. So that's worrisome because then if you look at it when the games he didn't score a touchdown, his best production was 10 points. And most of the time he was around five. Yeah. Yeah, it was a uh, definitely a downer of a season for Cole Komet, but at least we saw glimmers of hope. Yeah. You know what I mean? The, the entire offense as a whole was, was pretty shit last year. Well, and then, um, you know, you, we expect that third year leap from Justin Fields you know, if it doesn't happen this year, it's probably not going to happen. It's kind of just the way it goes for quarterbacks. They added in DJ Moore, and now they have three, you know, solid, if not really good receivers between DJ Moore, Mooney, and uh, Claypool. And so if we do get that jump from Fields, he not all of a sudden has more weapons than he's ever had in his career. Yeah, I'm really starting to like Fields. <laughs> and may, maybe some of it is that Jalen Hurts effect. You know, mm-hmm. Jalen Hurts took such a big leap passing the ball last year. And I just, I man, Justin Fields, like it was such a difference maker for your fantasy football team if you had a Jalen Hurts or, you know, one of the other two guys like uh, Josh Allen or, or Patrick Mahomes. And I really think Justin Fields is a guy that could take that leap if he improves in the passing game and, and they throw the ball around more. Look out, man, because he can run for 100 yards, you know, before you blink. So Absolutely, he's a guy man. I'm, I'm kind of looking at in like the fifth round, you know, usually him and Herbert are going right around the same. Um, I don't mind snagging really either of them. I think they're both going to have really good years. But right now, I'm leaning more towards uh, Fields just for the running ability. For sure. I mean, every year, there's always that one quarterback that does finally kind of make that leap. Uh, Last year was Hurts. The year before would have been probably Josh Allen. And when those guys that you can draft, you know, five to eighth round, depending on, like, how valued they are going into into your fantasy draft, and they then also become a top three or five quarterback, 
that it's got championship written all over it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was hard to win a championship last year without either Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, or Jalen Hurts yeah. um, on your team because they were such separators from the rest of the pack. Uh, last little bit of news here. The ever so philanthropic Aaron Rodgers <laughs> takes a $35 million cut in his salary this year so that the Jets have more freedom to keep their young talent that they have on the roster right now and possibly add more. Bravo, Aaron Rodgers. You're, you're you know, a hell of a guy. Hell of a fucking guy. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I mean, he finally took a page out of the Tom Brady book. Like, oh, yeah, I've made plenty of money. Let me take less money that makes my team still succeed. I love it, man. I love it, dude. I hope they just fucking go all in and this team is just. Oh, they they are. And unstoppable. Uh, that would be a lot of fun to watch. His connection with Garrett already looks insane. Oh my god, I'm telling you, I I get that funny feeling dude, in my <laughs> stomach every time I watch them in training camp or in practice. It's like it could be it could be dominant this year. And you can get Garrett Wilson, you know, typically right around in the first half of the second round. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um 201 to 206 typically um and i just love that because you can get either a super solid running back one of the elite running backs or another really elite receiver and then garrett wilson and i legitimately think garrett wilson could finish as the wide receiver one this year definitely top three for sure i think anybody who's drafting early gets one of those top three picks and then when it comes back around I mean, you are in prime position. I don't care, mind even taking Garrett Wilson at like the one nine, or I mean, sorry, like the two nine at the end of the second round before it comes back around. You know? Yeah. No, I, I I'm loving loving me some Garrett Wilson right now. I think it's going to be quite the connection, and you know, we've seen it year in year out when Rogers has a guy and a difference maker, he's targets that guy all the fucking time. And everything's kind of game planned around that guy. So for sure. I mean, we even saw last year how that connection between him and Christian Watson grew about mid season. And all of a sudden he's like, all right, this is my dude. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm super excited. If you couldn't tell for that. Love having, uh, love having Garrett on my dynasty rosters. James is a Um, bandwagon Jets fan all of a sudden. I am, yep. I certainly am. Proud of it, too. (laughs) All right. Um, What else? Any other news that we want to talk about? No, I think we covered it. Unless you want to talk about this ridiculous Zoom call the running back side. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, like... 12 or 14 of the top running backs in the league all got a zoom call together to figure out how they can change the landscape for running back contracts. Uh, They can't. Yeah, that was pretty much what I thought too. (laughs) I mean, they already have a union. The union doesn't fight enough for them to 
get larger contracts. They can't form a union within the union. I mean, really, the, literally the only thing they could do is like all of them sit out, but then it's just they're just going to find 12 replacements for you guys that are sitting out. And it's going to suck for the NFL. It's going to suck for fantasy, but it just kind of is what it is, man. Like, I think the only thing like I've seen that is like interesting is reducing the number of years on rookie contracts for running backs. I, I Maybe that could work, but even then it's like, yeah. okay, now they're just not getting paid after two years. So and it's not like they're going to make more money. It's still going to be a smaller contract than, you know, a wide receiver two, even a wide receiver three. So it's like, I don't know. What can you do? <laughs> you know, there's, there's nothing. And you mentioned it earlier. It's just too easy to find running back talent super late in the draft or undrafted guys. We see it every year. Um, for decades or probably about a decade now you literally see everyone coming late and they're great i mean chris carson was a seventh round draft pick isaiah pacheco was a fifth round last year damian or not yeah damian pierce with houston he was a sixth or seventh round draft pick like these are all guys that come out and are amazing their rookie seasons that yeah. no one even thought about drafting in the first round there's the just so round, many of them there's so many of them and it's so it's a it's a weird position where it's like yes the elite guys definitely you know separate themselves and you know make their teams better but there's just so many guys that can get the job done mm-hmm. you know bare minimum for what a team needs especially with the way the NFL has leaned towards more of a passing game and it's, NFL offenses have become so much more college like and the running back position is now the easiest position to transition from college ball to pro ball. As a right. running back, you're all you're all do is find the hole, hit the hole. And if you're good at seeing yeah. that, then anybody can do it. And it doesn't matter where you draft that. And like you said, yeah, sure, elite guys like Saquon, who even he he had struggles getting a contract. There's about him, Christian McCaffrey, think guys of them, yeah, they're going to separate themselves when it comes to the salary, but it's still never going to come close to these other guys are making i mean chris mccaffrey is the highest paid running back in the league at 16 million dollars a year that's almost half of what number one receiver in the league's getting a year now which is Tyreek hill 30 million and justin jackson probably gonna sell something for like 32 or 34 million a year right yeah i mean you got a good point it's just a it's a really physical position where you know there's not a ton of thinking involved there's some thinking you have that vision the the elite ones have really good vision, but there's not a whole lot of thinking involved. It's see hole, hit hole, you know, see your, your pass pro and, and pass block. Like that's, that's your job, you know, uh, you know, go out to the flat, catch a little dump off and fucking run. <laughs> you know, like that's, it's super physical. And there's a lot of guys that are really good at the physical things like that. Yeah. Running, catching. Cutting. And, you know, you bring up the good point with the catching ability. The guys that are making the most money in the league now running back, they're also very good pass catchers out of the backfield. The only exception really being Derek. Yeah. Which he's one of one uh, human beings. <laughs> so. Yeah. I mean, to what, 250, 255, just straight muscle that runs a 4-4. Four, four. Yeah. All right. Uh, enough of the running back ranting. 
Um, we'll do our rookie tight end re rankings here, uh, real quick. And then, uh, that'll be it for this show. And then in future shows, we'll be talking more about as we get closer to, to actual draft season sleepers and, and values and guys that we like guys that we don't like our actual full, full fledged rankings. We will put out, um, so you can look at those. But for now, we are taking a look back at these rookie tight ends um, and re-ranking all the rookies that came into the year uh, league this year, looking at who we think has the best shot to produce, you know, year one as as rookies at the tight end position, which is becoming more common. Um, I think, you know, we're at the point now where it's kind of like year two is usually a breakout year for, for tight ends. Um, before that it was kind of like year three or four, Mm -hmm. but again, with the way the league is going, you know, we see guys like Kelsey and Mark Andrews and, you know, um, elite, you know, freak athletes that are giant human beings that can, that can run routes and catch, catch the ball is a real difference maker for, obviously NFL teams and fantasy. Um, I mean, they so create guys, insane mismatches. Yeah. They're becoming more and more important by the year. You know, I think there's some guys um, that we can talk about here that are going to have really big impacts year one. Um, and so guys to keep an eye on, you know, obviously dynasty, but for best ball leagues, these are guys that you can drop really late. And, um, might provide you know big games for you year one so yeah let's get uh let's get into these guys so and it is traditionally wise rookie tight ends don't have a lot of impact in the league we are seeing more of it but there's a reason why the rookie tight end receiving record held for like 60 years between uh mike dicka to kyle pitts finally broke his record (laughs) so i mean that can tell you how poor most rookie tight ends do now before we get into our rankings because you and i are almost step for step in the way we see these guys let's give trey's opinion on a singular player i'm sure you guys all know who we're going to talk about if you listen to show at all because you know <laughs> who trey uh roots for here and he didn't do his rankings he just sent me this he said just let the people know michael mayer is far <laughs> and above my number one rookie tight end He's already the best run blocking tight end that Las Vegas has and should get a large majority of snaps uh, for the team. Plus, Jimmy G can't throw the ball farther than I can throw a fat chick. So, my <laughs> should be a nice security blanket for him. <laughs> oh, my God. The Homer, the Raiders Homer strikes again. Yeah. I knew he was. I mean, I have, I had Mayer as my number one tight end coming into the draft. I think he was the most complete tight end. I think you could see him you know, developing more as a pass catcher, but he was by far the best blocking tight end coming in. So I understand him being, I think he's gonna be very good and really productive in a few years, but his rookie year, I just don't see that happening. I personally have him down at number four. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think the Raiders are going to be not very good this year. I think they're going to be pretty bad. Um, And in a bad offense, um, run by, you know, a head coach slash offensive coordinator that I don't necessarily totally believe in, Josh McDaniels. 
I just don't see a whole lot of opportunity for for Mayor year one. Um, I do, I do like the talent. I liked Dalton Kincaid more pre NFL draft just because I felt like he was he separated himself from everyone else in terms of physical ability and and being a receiving tight end, which is what we're talking about here in fantasy. That's what's valuable for tight ends in fantasy is not pass blocking, but but catching the catching the football and being a consistent target for your offense. And so that's why, you know, I had Kincaid above Meyer, but I had Meyer as my number two, I believe, pre-NFL draft. Um, so, but now with knowing where they're going, um, I personally still have Dalton Kincaid as my number one. So pre-NFL draft, post-NFL draft, Dalton Kincaid was my number one. You know, I was super excited to see him go to the Buffalo Bills. Um, I think I think he's going to come in and have an immediate impact. I understand Dawson Knox is still there. I think these are two different players. I think Kincaid is – there's a reason they took Kincaid. First tight end off the, off the board, first round of the NFL draft. I mean, that is a shit ton of draft capital. That's a huge investment into a tight end. So they obviously plan on using this guy out of the gate and have high hopes for him. Um, you know, we even saw Dawson Knox, who I don't think is even as, as close anywhere near the athlete that Kincaid is. And Dawson Knox had productive fantasy days in Buffalo. So there's just a huge, huge opportunity there for, for Dalton Kincaid. And I, you know, I love him going to the Buffalo Bills. He's still going. He's going higher and higher in drafts now. I don't suggest drafting him as your starting tight end because he is a rookie. So we still have to wait and see how this plays out. But I love taking him as my my second tight end if I can, just for that upside. Especially if you're in you know best ball. Yeah, I I I like t- taking Dalton Kincaid a lot. Yeah, and I agree with you. Um, I have Kincaid as my number one tight end for this season as well. Um, he's very comfortable splitting out and not being an inline tight end, being able to run routes from the slot. So I actually expect the Bills to use a lot of two tight end sets. I think you're going to see a lot of sets of Diggs, Gabe Davis, Don Kincaid, and Knox all on the field together. But they're going to split Kincaid out. And because Gabe Davis himself is so up and down and super inconsistent, I honestly believe Don Kincaid will be the second leading receiver for the Buffalo Bills this year. Yeah, I, I there's and there's a world where that's very realistic. <laughs> you know, it's crazy to think, but I'm not the biggest Gabe Davis fan. I don't think Gabe Davis. I think he's you know shown splashes, but I don't think he's a complete receiver. No, he's not. He's I super boomless. So I, I really believe, you know, Dalton Kincaid can be a fucking big time fantasy asset. Maybe not year one, but he he will still be super valuable in fantasy. I think, you know, year one. Yeah, I honestly, I think Kincaid will. I'm not saying he's for sure will, will beat it, but I think he's going to push for Pitts' record for yards as a rookie. I really do. Yeah. I mean, he should, I, you know, all that draft capital first round, I it's rare. We see tight ends drafted that, that, you know, high in the first place. And this was a really, really good 
tight end class. Very so good. For him to be the number one guy out of that class, you're probably the best tight end class we've seen in, fuck, I don't know, a, a long time. Long time. I mean, you um, realistically, you could go down the list and probably go about seven guys deep that I would expect to have very, very good NFL careers. Yeah. Next guy on the list, I think we have the same guy here. Um, another yeah. guy that I, for me, it's like these two guys here, and then I think that it's Kincaid, you know, in his own tier, then Sam Laporta, and then there's, I think, a big drop-off after these two guys for year one. Um, these other guys might develop into more consistent roles, but I think right now I'm I'm really high on Kincaid and Laporta. Sam Laporta, you know, drafted to Detroit. Um, it's just been nothing but super positive news. He was probably the second most athletic kind of build receiving tight end in this class, in my opinion. You know, played wide receiver in high school, fucking dominated. Some if you see some of the tape, I saw some of the tapes of him in high school playing outside as a receiver. Um, like on Twitter and stuff, and it's just, it's pretty funny to watch. Absolutely mm-hmm. dominating. Uh, but uh, can't you know? Training camp reports right now. He's he's taken majority of first team reps um, at at their practices. Um, he's reportedly been clearly the best or most talented player at the tight end position for the for the Lions. Um, and the Lions according to the coaching staff, expect Laporta to play a major role right away once the season begins. George Kittle, um, you know, 49ers tight end, said in, a, in an interview he thought Laporta was the best tight end in the entire class, including Dalton Kincaid. So Damn. a lot of praise coming for Sam Laporta. I mean, 35-inch vertical. He's an athletic freak. Big motherfucker. Um, Dan Campbell's their head coach, former tight end, (laughs) former tight end, former NFL tight end. I think, I think the sky's the limit for Laporta right now. And he's definitely going to get a ton of opportunity to, to be a guy for this team. Yeah, absolutely. I'm right there with you. Laporta is also my number two ranked tight end for this season. Uh, one of two guys on this list. I actually didn't have originally listed in my top five tight ends. Um, he would have been like six or seventh, like right, right outside the top five for me. but circumstances play a huge role in how people develop and he's going to be the number one tight end on what could potentially be the most explosive offense in the league with all the weapons that Detroit has. And if Jared Goff continues to develop the way he we showed us last year, I mean, that has a chance. The only reason I really have him behind Kincaid is that Goff hasn't shown a lot of propensity in throwing the ball to tight ends throughout his career. Um, and that was even with DJ Hawkinson last year, who's a stud of a tight end and proved that once the trade happened, we went to Minnesota. So, but I still think he's going to be really good this year because this is the tight end that this coaching staff and the management staff, this regime for the Lions specifically chose to take, right? Hawkinson wasn't yeah. their guy. He was from the previous regime. So I think that they see a ton in Laporta. They want to make sure he, d- he does well. They're going to put him in position to do so. Yeah, I'm super excited for him. I think it's a great opportunity and perfect landing spot. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I'm, I'm eye on Laporta. Um, up next, I had Luke Schoonmaker. Um, 
believe you did too. Yes, you did. Yeah, I did. So Dallas Cowboys took Shoemaker surprisingly in the second second round at number I think it was like fifty eight overall. Um, you know, another athletic guy, but I don't think as much as as the other two. Jake Ferguson is still there in Dallas. Um, this is his second year, I believe. So right now he's kind of the favorite to be the number one tight end there. But, you know, we've seen Dallas in the past use the tight end quite a bit. So there's opportunity there for Shoemaker. Um, definitely a lot of draft capital, um, a high investment. They took him, you know, in the second round, day two pick, 58 overall. So, you know, he's going to get some opportunity for sure. Uh, I'm just not certain how much. Plus, this team did lose Kellen Moore or let Kellen Moore go. Um, so I don't expect them to throw the ball as much. And Mike McCarthy, you know, came out and said he wants to run the ball more. And, and that's his, his coaching style. So, um, yeah, I just don't think as much opportunity. But I still like like him as a player. For sure. Uh, Shoemaker, again, like you said, I have a number three as well. Another guy that I had just outside my original top five. But he is going to another explosive offense. And I know they're trying to run the ball more. Uh, and But you said, like, Dak Prescott does like to throw the ball to the tight end. And so over the last three seasons, Dalton Schultz, the starter for the Cowboys before he shipped off to Houston this offseason, he averaged just over eight points per game as a starter the last three years. The only other tight ends in the entire league that can say the same thing for the previous three seasons is Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Mark Andrews, and TJ Hawkinson. So, and Dalton Schultz, I don't think anyone would ever say is even in the same class as those guys. So I think yeah. Shoemaker's going to get plenty of opportunity to maybe not hit a quite that, you know, points per game level, but he's going to have his chances to shine. For sure. Yeah, we'll see how it how it breaks out. Um, I imagine they're going to use them. You know, I, I'm sure Jake Ferguson might get you know the shot at the beginning of the year, but I, I imagine at some point they'll transition to Shoemaker being being the guy. Um, okay, at number four, I have uh, Luke Musgrave, the tight end drafted by the Green Bay Packers. There's a huge vacancy um, at the tight end position for the Packers. We've been, or I, I'm sorry, I'm an owner of the Packers, so it's, <laughs> it's hard to not speak as, you know, as as an owner. But uh, yeah, I know you have a lot of say in those decision makings. <laughs> yeah, this is a guy I told him to keep an eye on. Uh, when, no, when they didn't I, know I what to do. They're like, "Hey, call Jim. Who we drafted?" <laughs> You know, he's uh he's another really athletic guy. Um more of a Michael Mayer type of build, kind of an all around type of tight end that can kind of do it all. Uh, maybe not as athletic as a Kincaid or a Laporta, but but still athletic enough to be a threat in the receiving game. There's you know, a huge hole here, a huge opportunity to find a connection with, with Jordan Love and and be a you know, consistent weapon in this passing game. They took him pretty early in the draft, second round, I think 42nd overall. So high draft capital. You know, they took another tight end later in the um just like later a in the few draft. picks later, right? Was it only like ten picks later, if that? Um not exactly sure where where Tucker Kraft was drafted, but 
Tucker Craft kind of more of the super athletic type of build and not as complete. So maybe that's why they decided to take both, kind of get the best of both worlds. But you know, I got I got Musgrave slotted in here at four for the rookie tight ends. Um, I think there'll be some good opportunity there, but again, this offense is gonna have to find its way as as the season goes and it's gonna take some time. Yeah, Kraft was drafted seventy eighth. Um when when Musgrave you said? Uh forty two. Okay. So, you know, about sixteen picks later, about half a round is all. Um and I have Musgraves at five. I have him behind Michael Mayer. Um, and no, I'll wait. go over. What'd you hmm? say? Where'd you say Tucker Craft was drafted? 78. Oh yeah. So mayor was 42. So he was like oh, 30, shit. Okay. 30, okay. Five picks later. So about a round, oh, about a round or so later. Yeah. Um, but I think they were back to back picks for the Packers, right? There were no drafts in between those guys. They took Jaden Reed in between Jaden Reed went at 50 cause they had okay. two second round draft picks. Okay. Okay, so yeah, um, I had Musgraves at five um, behind Michael Mayer. And the biggest reason for is one, they did draft Tucker Craft shortly after. And I kind of see them vulturing opportunities from each other a little bit. Um, yeah. And I actually like Tucker Craft a little more coming into the draft. I thought that he would get drafted before Musgraves. Obviously, the Packers see something different. It is also being reported that he's taking most of the first team reps throughout OTAs, and they expect that to continue throughout training camp. So there's that the one thing that can be said with Musgraves, he probably had a lower draft profile um, than Kraft because he did deal with some injuries when he's at Oregon State. But he's a hell of an athlete. He was a championship slalom skier as a teenager. And that's one of the things that people say sets him apart because he has extremely loose hips for a tight end. And so he has a lot of more wiggle than guys usually would have. Interesting. A little solemn, solemn skier, huh? <laughs> a little bit, yeah. I'm surprised, that they, but people said like you can see that translating onto the football field the way he moves. Uh, okay, fifth and final. So you had you had uh, Musgrave ahead or behind Mayer, right? Yeah, I don't, and I had and again the whole Michael Mayer, Michael Meyer, yeah. I have him at four ahead of Musgraves. And again, it's only because Myers not going to have to really compete for a lot of touches as the tight end in Las Vegas, where I think Musgraves and Tucker Kraft are really going to eat at each other's time. And so that's the only reason I have Meyer ahead of him. He's going to be the number one tight end there. The only, the biggest difference is that he's going to be on a terrible offense and Jimmy G's probably not going to be able to play the whole season anyways, because he never does. And then he's going to have either Brian Hoyer or Aiden O'Connell throwing the ball. So, God knows what happens there. <laughs> yeah, and that's why I put, you know, Michael Meyer at uh at five because I'm just I don't believe in, you know, sorry, Trey, I don't I just do not believe in the the Raiders this year. I don't think I, I think it's just gonna be a shit show, honestly. I, I don't think anyone there is happy. Like I Josh Jacobs, obviously, if he comes back, he's not happy. Uh Devontae Adams, this is certainly not the situation that Devontae Adams pictured himself in year two with the, the Raiders. The whole reason he went to the Raiders was to play <laughs> yeah. with his best friend, Derek Carr, and they shipped him out after, so, what, 14 games or some shit? So it's just hard for me to believe that there's going to be a whole lot of buy-in. And obviously, you know, 
Devontae's a pro. He's going to go do his job, and he's still going to be dominant. But as a whole, just consistently, I, I just don't see a ton of opportunities you know, in the red zone for, for Michael Mayer. And I think it's going to be, you know, a large learning curve, I think for a lot of this offense, um, you know, with Josh McDaniels and I don't know what's going to happen with the Raiders moving forward, but I think, you know, McDaniels is trying to build this thing out how he wants it and get his guys, but it's going to take some time. And I just don't think they're going to be that competitive uh, this year. No, I mean, he's trying to build the Patriots West. <laughs> yeah. So, so you're you're saying Michael Mayer's basically Rob Gronkowski? No. <laughs> I said he's trying to build that, but uh no, I don't think we're gonna see a Rob Gronkowski for a while. Actually, probably not until next season when the other tight end out of Georgia comes out, uh Brock Bowers. Oh yeah. Brock Bowers. Insane. Yeah. Yeah, he might be he might be a guy. So, um, and we should mention just real quick, because I know we were all really high on Darnell Washington coming out of Georgia this year, but it's hard to rank him anywhere near your top five for rookie tight ends when he goes to Pittsburgh and he's he's very raw, has a lot to learn, and he's automatically behind the Muth there. So, for everybody who's like, where the hell is yeah. Darnell Washington? That's why. Yeah, I mean, it's gonna be gonna be tough for him to see a whole lot of consistency with with Fryermuth there, who's a very good tight end. And, and and again, yeah, Darnell, there's definitely some work to be done there. He's a, one of those giant freak athletes, um, which is great. But man, you know, he he's puts got it all together. the tools, but yeah, if he puts it together, that's, uh, that's a dangerous, dangerous weapon. But going to take some time. All right. Well, that uh, about wraps that up. So... Thank you all for listening. If you made it this far, check us out on Twitter at the FF Fathers. Uh, we are going to be doing some more in-depth um, fantasy content here in the near future, talking about sleepers and values and uh, full-on rankings of running backs, receivers, all that good stuff. I'm sure we'll throw in some mock drafts in there as we approach uh, draft season. So. Keep an eye out for all of that. Follow us on Twitter at the FF Fathers. That's where we post all of that. And um, again, thank you all for listening. And uh, crack a coldie for us and have a great one. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. <laughs> That's sick. <laughs> I don't know. I've honestly never listened to our an entire episode.